Hi, welcome. My name is John. I'm Michelle. I'm Amanda. We co-founded Uplift Kids together. Today we're talking about play. It's this week's featured lesson, and the subtitle is Enjoying Life and Having Fun Together. The summary says, when we allow ourselves to fully enjoy life, we connect to an intrinsic joy. And in this lesson, we have a conversation game that we made for families. We have our emotions card deck and a lot of games associated with those cards. We have game ideas that you can use for any lesson. We have a lot of things that can help families just enjoy playing together. So let's start with you, Amanda. In terms of counseling, how have you seen play work in that setting? The goal when I work with students, and for most counselors I know, is to try and make counseling feel like play all the time. Because play is how kids are learning. It's how they're exploring. It's how they build skills. Play is children's work. So in counseling, I'm constantly using games, using representational play or puppets or activities to try and help and engage a child in that way. When we can enter a child's world, a child's imagination with them and join and play with them, that's really a way that we can help support them and help bolster whatever emerging skills that they have. So I would say play is a cornerstone of counseling with kids. And what does play look like specifically? Can you name some examples that might be helpful for parents to know about? Yes, a lot of it depends on the age. It depends on the student and what their interests are. But for younger children, play in counseling looks a lot like maybe doing some representational play with dolls or toys. If you're learning new social skills, um, playing out those social skills with dolls or toys. And even for a little bit older kids, puppets can be fun playing with puppets. For older kids, during conversations in counseling sessions, we'll often be playing a game so that they're engaged, they're having fun, they're focused, we're focused on a mutual object. And so it's loose and it's like a lubricant for the session to be doing something that's fun and a little bit creative and something that takes the focus off of just sitting and looking at each other. But for children, play, th this is how they expand their cognitive abilities. They learn new words. They learn social skills. They develop physical abilities and motor skills. And it's so essential. When you say that you're playing a game with older kids, what game is that? Like a card game, chess? What do you mean by play in this instance? We tend to use games that don't require a lot of strategizing so that the student can really still focus on the conversation. But we do a lot of games like Jenga, games like Uno. And there's ways, games like Jenga, you can actually incorporate a social and emotional element into it. You write little questions on the Jenga blocks about what was the most embarrassing thing that happened this week or how are you feeling right now? So you can directly incorporate ways to facilitate conversations in certain games like Jenga, but joining a child in their world, playing in their world is a way to attune to them 
and it's a way to signal to them that they're important and it creates a sense of connection. Yeah, that sense of connection has ties to the idea of spiritual parenting, which is the process of connecting to love and awe. And one idea that really helps with spiritual parenting is the idea that we can be fully present to whatever we're doing. I remember reading an article about somebody who talked about playing games as a spiritual experience. And he said that when he was fully invested in the game and everyone else was fully invested in the game, he felt a deep sense of connection. Like you're saying, Amanda, it can help us open up to conversations that we might not be able to have otherwise. But it can also just be a time to really enjoy the presence of each other. At least that's what I'm hearing you say when you talk about counseling and playing games. So, Michelle, how about you? How is play surfaced in therapeutic settings, if it has at all? Yeah, what you were just saying, I think, is really important, this way that we can connect. And I think that there's really subtle interactions that are happening between therapist and client or parent and child, and that those subtle, the language that we use creates a dynamic where maybe the child doesn't feel like they can just be open and free with the way that they play. And the type of, one of the types of therapy I was trained in is called child-centered play therapy. And it was created by someone named Gary Landreth. And he talks about how toys are children's words and play is their language. So they're using their toys, they're expressing their, what they want to say through their toys. And, and playing is the way that they're expressing that. And with child-centered play therapy, there's a specific way you respond to the child's play. So for instance, if they're coloring and you think they might be drawing a dinosaur, there's a way that we might respond and say, oh, you're drawing a dinosaur. And this type of therapy trains you to instead say something like, you're using a purple crayon. You just get curious and you're not leading them to what's next. And the other subtle way that parents, that children respond to parents is like wanting their approval. So if we use a lot of language that's, oh, that's a really good picture of this or that, or you've done such a good job, that encouragement is nice, but there's a way that they may not have been going in that direction, but it's the direction they think you want them to go in. So being more careful about not using as much judgment, but just using language that identifies what they're doing and connects with what they're doing. Like, oh, I see you're changing what you're doing. Oh, you picked up the block. Like just naming what they're doing in the moment is a way to connect and join them in their work, in their play, in their language, in what they're expressing. Any ideas about how parents can play more effectively with their kids? I think one of the biggest barriers to parents playing with their kids is just setting aside the time, putting the phone down or letting a household task just rest even for 10 minutes or seven minutes and really just relaxing and settling in and allowing oneself to enter the world of the child. Yeah, I think time is often one of the biggest barriers to parents enjoying play with kids. Yeah, I agree. And on this note, I think it can be really helpful for parents to set a time limit. 
because play can be exhausting for grown-ups. You know, kids can just keep going and going. And so it can be daunting for a grown-up to say, okay, I'm going to engage in play and I don't know how long this is going to go or if it's ever going to end. So being able to set a time limit, say, okay, I'm going to be here with you for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Let's have fun and be completely present for those 10 to 15 minutes and then say, okay, now I need to go do the dishes or I need to go back to work. So setting a time limit can help offset some of the daunting nature of free-form play with kids. Yeah, I think part of the reason, too, it can be so daunting is that we're conditioned to like want to get back to the real living, which is I got to get the dinner done. I got to send this email. And that shift in mindset is like, what if play is actually the real living? And that actually the play, when we lean into it and change our mindset, that can actually create more space for the work that we need to do, more creativity. There's a great article that we link to. It's called In Defense of Play. And it talks about how play is voluntary. It's something that many animals, not just humans, do just for the sake of it. And the animals who play are better at generating new possibilities. So there's this way it unlocks us to do the work that we need to do if we actually lean into play and change that mindset. Yeah, I love that idea of mindset. How about you, Amanda? Any additional thoughts about how to encourage play at home? Just as time can be a barrier for parents engaging in play with their children, when children are overscheduled, that can also be a barrier to their own play. And it can be easy to, as, as Michelle suggested, it can be easy to say play is what we do after we do studies, after we practice, after we do the more quote unquote important tasks. But play is actually how children practice and learn to become the humans they're becoming. It's how they emerge into who they're going to, they're going to be. Having protected free play time is so important for children, for their creativity for their growth, for their development, for their heart. Protective time is really important. Beautiful. So this lesson helps members move into a new way of playing together. You know, sometimes we don't bring any intentionality around play because it can be viewed as something frivolous. But by just taking a moment to talk about how do we want to play together? How can we play more effectively? What ideas do you have? And things along those lines, families can brainstorm new ways to play together and just enjoy each other more fully. So we encourage parents to dive into this lesson and use it as a springboard into a new way of being. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening.